you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Psalm 145 says, One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Have you heard about Legacy 145? This program gives you an opportunity to provide a safe haven for future generations of children at Wares Valley Ranch. While at the ranch, children from all across the country have their practical needs met. But most importantly, they hear about a Heavenly Father who loves them so much that He sent His only Son to die on the cross to pay for their sins. Healing and hope are found at the ranch through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And your legacy can continue that message to children in crisis. You can learn more at wvr.org. Click on the icon that says, Legacy 145. Or you can give us a call at 866-41-ABIDE. If you would open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. This is God's Word. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace of to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other. From a pure heart, love one another constantly, because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, The word of the Lord endures forever, and this word is the gospel 
that was proclaimed to you. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. You should know that one of the basic rules of Bible study is when you see the word therefore, you're supposed to ask, what is the word therefore, therefore? Okay? It always is reminding you that what is about to follow is based on what has just gone before. So we're jumping into the middle of this chapter because last time we got down through verse 12. But what is the therefore, therefore? Well, the first section of 1 Peter talks about what the Lord has done to save us. Because of his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In light of that, in light of what God has done for you and is doing in you and has promised that he will do in the days to come, in light of that, this is how we are to live. With your minds ready for action, verse 13, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The way that we are supposed to live starts with a mindset. It's not just about changing behaviors. It's changing behaviors starting with the behavior of the mind. Did you know that you actually can exercise dominion through the power of the Holy Spirit over the, your thought life? So I, I, can't, I, I, I just can't help the thoughts that come to me. No, you can't help the thoughts that come to you, but you can help the thoughts that stay with you. Martin Luther said, speaking about temptation, you cannot prevent the birds from flying overhead. You can prevent them from nesting in your hair. So when thoughts come to you that are unhelpful, perhaps even an obsessive attack from the enemy, when those thoughts come to you, you can feel just utterly defeated because you had a bad thought. Or you can respond by rejecting that thought with the truth. That's why you need to renew your mind. Our minds are renewed, and the result, Romans 12, is that our lives are transformed. But our minds need to be renewed by the Word of God. So when a thought comes that isn't right, respond with God's Word. That's what Jesus did when Satan tempted him in the wilderness. Satan tried and tried and tried. And Jesus never changed his response as far as methodology. He did something you and I can do, and that is he responded with the Word of God. That's why we study the Bible. It's why we memorize the Bible. It's why we meditate on the Bible, is so that our thoughts are being reshaped by the Word of God. So we need to have our minds ready for action, being sober-minded, 
and setting our hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The grace to be brought to you. What is grace? It is God's undeserved favor. And I am confident that I'm going to be okay because I'm going to be received on the basis of God's grace. The grace that is in Christ Jesus is the basis of my hope. That's why I have confidence. It's not, well, you know, I've been, I've been doing uh, pretty well the last, uh, the last few months. I've been having my quiet time. and I'm, no, no, no. I have been having my quiet time. But that's not the basis of my hope and my confidence. What if I were to mess up? It says, set your hope completely. Completely, not partially. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's our hope. He's our refuge. He's our hiding place. He's our rock. He's our righteousness. We have no other basis for salvation. None of us. Read the book of Romans. How many people will be justified in God's sight by keeping the law? Zero. No one, it says, will be justified in God's sight by keeping the law. Now, does that mean if we really believe the gospel, we can just live like the devil and it's no big deal? Because, hey, you know, it's all grace. We're, we're going to go to heaven on the basis of grace, so go ahead and sin all you like. Well, first of all, why do you like to sin? What's wrong with you? Have you ever been working with a hammer and hit your thumb? Did you say, oh, wow, I really felt that. I need to do that some more. Sin is messing up. It's not getting things right. It's, it's a mess up. You may say, well, you know, hitting your thumb with a hammer feels bad. Sometimes sin feels good. <laughs> I don't know what kind of sin you've been doing, Pastor Wood, but the sin I like feels good for a while. For a while. But the fact of the matter is, you end up with a mouthful of gravel. You end up with a hangover. You end up with broken hearts, broken lives. Disease, death, sin, whether it's lying or stealing or sexual immorality, in the end, it'll leave you broken. It'll destroy you. I remember standing behind my father's car, his Ford. It was out in front of our house, and it was a cold, cold Chicago morning. And I was a preschooler. And I went behind the car and I found there was this wonderful pipe coming out from under the bumper. And, and it, it was filled with warm air. And it was, it was just, oh, it was so wonderful. And I could warm myself there in front of the pipe and let it go on my face. And, it was, and my father made me stop. Why would he do that? It was a cold day. 
We were waiting for the rest of the family to come outside and get in the car. My father wanted me to get in the car, and the car wasn't as warm as the exhaust pipe. So when my father said, son, that is poison. That's putting carbon monoxide out into the air, and it'll kill you if you keep breathing it. I thought, I haven't died yet. I don't feel badly. I feel warm. Was my father right or wrong? Was he being cruel or kind? Did he stop me from standing behind the car breathing the exhaust because he wanted to spoil my pleasure or because he didn't want my brain to be damaged and my heart to eventually stop? Sin is not something we should desire. It's something we should desire to avoid. So, our hope is entirely in God's grace, but our aim is to please the Lord. Look at this. Verse 14, as obedient children do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Let me tell you, as I got a little older and I learned about carbon monoxide, I never wanted to go back and breathe it again. You understand? It was like, man, I wish I could breathe carbon monoxide. You know, Dad says I can't. But I, I, I really enjoyed that. I still remember it. I do still remember it. I remember what an ignorant preschooler I was and how my father had to educate me. Well, all of us used to live in ignorance, not really understanding what we should do versus what we shouldn't do, what was good for us compared to what was bad for us. And when we lived in that ignorance, we had desires that the Bible says ultimately lead to destruction. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Yeah, we all had those desires. But now, don't let those desires shape your life. Instead, as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. That's from Leviticus chapter 11, chapter 19, chapter 20. I just read the book of Leviticus. And let me tell you, I think it's in there more than those times. It's over and over and over and over and over. God keeps telling his people, when he's telling them, you mustn't do what the people who used to live in these lands do. You mustn't live like them. You mustn't live like the people in Egypt lived, where you came from. You can't just say, well, they're doing it. God says, you are to be holy, because you're mine. You belong to me, and you're to be like me. God wants us to be like him. And that's a beautiful thing because it's because of his love for us. He is perfect. We are far from it. And he wants to change us from the inside out to make us like him. Be holy because I am holy. If you appeal, verse 17, if you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, then here's what you're to do. You are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time 
living as strangers. In other words, in this world, if you're living for Jesus, you're not going to fit in. You are not going to fit in. Why? Because broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many travel on it. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few people find it. So if you're walking toward life, if you are doing the will of God, you're going to be out of step with the world around you. You're not going to be part of the big crowd. If your goal is to just fit in, you better be careful. Because you're fitting in to a vehicle, a clown car, that is going over a cliff. Understand? You do not want to fit in. Hey, can I get in too? <laughs> I want to be part of the in crowd. <laughs> no. You're to live here as a stranger. That doesn't mean you're supposed to try to be strange. It means that you are to be holy as you're conformed to the likeness of Christ. And the result will be you live with reverence during your time living as strangers. Now, what would motivate you to do that? Verse 18, For you know that you were redeemed, that is, bought back, from your empty way of life that you inherited from your fathers. The kind of life that we get naturally is not a life that is eternal. It's an empty way of life. It doesn't have eternal purpose and meaning. You get this eternal life from God. But you've got to recognize, every single one of you has got to recognize, there comes a point in your life where you've got to decide, am I just going to try and behave like the family I came from? Or am I going to seek to live as a child of God? So, hey, wait a minute, my parents are Christians. Okay, that's great. But you can't be God's grandchild. If you want to follow Jesus, it's got to be personal, first-generation stuff with you. We have been redeemed from the empty way of life that we inherited from our fathers. And how were we redeemed? Not with perishable things like silver or gold. Hey, do you consider silver or gold valuable? Of course. But they're perishable. They don't last. We were redeemed not with things like that, but with something far more precious. The precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. I want you to realize that the basis on which we seek to follow the Lord is because we consider the price that was paid for our salvation. If I said I was going to take you somewhere to eat a meal, say, okay, well, I'm sure that'll be nice. And then I took you somewhere and you knew that your meal cost about $5. Oh, that's nice. Thanks. Appreciate it. It's good. 
But if I took you somewhere and you realized that your meal was going to cost $25, you would probably feel a little more obligation to get the most out of the meal, right? I mean, in other words, instead of going to Taco Bell, we went to Paula Deen's. And it's 25 bucks. Last time I checked, that's a few years ago. $25 per person. Now don't you feel a little more responsibility to really get the most out of that meal? Maybe even to eat light before you go, if you know you're going there? Okay? But what if I were to take you to another place, and it was like $50 per person? I'm not sure I even want to go there, because I don't know that I could get $50 pleasure out of a meal. What if I took you to a place where it was $100? Boy, that better be some good food. I, I'm getting indigestion just thinking about how much we're going to have to pay for it. Well, what if I took you to a place where it was $500 per person? That's nuts! Are there really restaurants like that? Yeah, $2,500 a person. You are kidding. I don't know one in the States that's $2,500, but there are places like that. Oh, I mean, it's, it's not just a meal. It's a production. The chef is doing things for you in this little private dining area, and it's just, oh, $2,500 a person? <laughs> Man, I better enjoy this. What if in order for you to eat I literally sacrificed my life. I died making it possible for you to have that meal. I think about a young woman who fell overboard up on a lake in upstate New York. The guy who ran the ministry there was the founder of the Navigators, Dawson Trotman. He dove out of the boat into the lake and he swam to where she was and he held her till they could get back and save her. And she lived. And he didn't. He sacrificed his life for her. Do you think she felt an obligation after that to live a life that would be pleasing to the Lord? and that would honor the memory of the man who saved her, I want my life to please the Lord because Jesus hung on that cross for me. It wasn't just for me. He died for you. What kind of life are you going to live? That's why we do this. And so, verse 22, since you've purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Love one another constantly. Love one another constantly. Because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Human, fleshly life. Our bodies, like grass. And all its glory, like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the good news, the gospel. 
that was proclaimed to you. Jesus died so that you could have eternal life, not just so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have eternal life, the abundant life of God living in and through you. Don't miss it. If you're trying to fit in with this world, you are headed in the wrong direction. I plead with you, repent and place your hope entirely in His grace in Christ Jesus. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.